What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I lead marketing at The Juice. Today, we're talking AI. You just can't get away from it. We hosted an event last week around maintaining your brand voice as the tidal wave of AI enters all of our worlds. Today, we're doubling down on that. We are going to be digging into how to develop practical use cases for AI in content marketing. I'm joined by Adam Sokol, who leads content at Orem. He has been a content marketer for 15 plus years. He's an OG in the field, and he talks about how he is thinking about AI, its application, and how it's impacting his workflow. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons. Most importantly, tell a marketing friend you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What's going on, everyone? Excited to dig into this conversation. AI is the topic. We just uh, launched an event not too long ago on AI. And I figured, you know what? This is a good time to bring in someone who is actively working at a company who is thinking about it and is creating different use cases for how to implement AI in his content strategy. So we're going to be talking about how to develop practical use cases for AI and content marketing. And I am joined by Adam Sokol, who's the content marketing lead at Orem. Adam, welcome. How are you? I am doing great, Brad. How about you? I cannot complain. I am. Uh, I transitioned uh, recently into a new home. I am in a new office, and instead of staring at the wall, I'm staring out at windows. And it is a bright, sunny day here in Indianapolis. So life is good. Fantastic. Listeners won't be able to see this, but you have what looks like a stunning amount of vinyl behind you. I'm guessing, but just I noticed that the first time we talked, I was like, man, that looks like an incredible amount of vinyl. So I, I as a, uh, I'm, I'm envious of that for sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm a, a collector. I collect a lot of different things, but the one part of the move that wasn't so fun was the transitioning of the vinyl from the one house to the new house. <laughs> uh, people always talk about their books and the the pain in the ass of transitioning books. I had a call in reinforcement, so I want to thank my brother who's not listening to this podcast, who I paid in beer and burgers to mm-hmm. come help me transition my vinyl collection to the new location. Love it. Love it. Um, so maybe before we kick things off, I'd love to maybe get a brief for anyone who is not familiar with Orem. Talk a little bit about Orem, who you guys are, what you do, and your role with inside the business. Yeah, absolutely. So Orem is what we like to call a live conversation platform. We use artificial intelligence, which obviously we're going to talk a lot about today. We use AI to make sales more human-centric. So what that means is We use AI to eliminate a lot of the manual tasks that really slow down sales development and account executive uh, reps from doing their jobs. There was this report that came out recently from from Salesforce that salespeople only spend 28% of their day actually selling, which is just like wild. And so we want to get salespeople back to doing those things, you know, at a much higher clip. So we, you know, automate a lot of the things like the dialing process if you're doing cold calling or uh, automating the you know transcripts from those calls and, and things like that that you can use for training. So we are using AI to make sales not only more human-centric and connect people with more prospects, but also just eliminate a lot of the stuff that salespeople just do not like doing so they we can make their job just a little bit easier. And then my job here, I am like you said, I'm the content marketing lead. So 
my job is to make all of the content that draws people in, gets them interested in our product, you know, whether it's reports, blogs, webinars, all the things that every content marketer knows about, you know, videos, all that good stuff. So I do uh, all of the things. It's a it's a startup company. We are a, a Series B startup. So anyone who has been at a startup or is at a startup knows many, many hats. We wear many, many hats here. So we move quick and it's it's a lot of fun. It's an exciting place to be. Before we hit record, you're, you're share, sharing something about kind of a new initiative that you're working on. And I think this would just be interesting to the audience because I'm a marketer and I'm marketing to marketers. And so it makes my life a little bit easier on that element. You're a marketer and you're marketing to salespeople, which is adjacent and probably easier than marketing to developers, but and you you have not been in those shoes. So it, I thought it was interesting, maybe share with the audience, like because everyone out there likely isn't marketing to marketers. Maybe mm-hmm. talk through like the process and what you have done in order to maybe better understand the position and the motivations and desires of the salespeople who you're trying to reach with your content. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great question. I can give you uh, two answers. One, the first thing I've been doing, I've been at Orem since right around Thanksgiving of 2022. So just at this time of recording, about six months. I come from a, a sales family. My dad was an insurance agent his entire career. I was telling you before I started, my brother has been a sales leader for about 20 years now. I have always been in marketing. I learned really quickly for working for my dad when I was like still in college, making cold calls to try to get people to buy life insurance. I was like, this is not for me. Uh, so I've been in marketing because I love storytelling and creating you know content that actually engages with people. What I did when I first started is I without exaggeration, interviewed every single subject matter expert at our company because, again, we're a sales tool. So we have salespeople that are selling a sales tool and they're obviously using our tool to sell. So I basically picked all of their brains and I was like, okay, what are you guys doing? How do you use our platform? I went up to our sales development managers and said, you know, walk me through a day in the life of a sales development representative, of an account executive, of you as a manager. And I kind of did that all the way up and down the line. Uh, my previous job was for a company called Pluralsight. You mentioned developers, and I only bring that up because we it was a development tool. So it was basically a development educational tool. And so same thing, I went to our developers and said, how would you use our tool? And so that was, anytime I started a new place, that is the first thing I do is I understand what I'm trying to market, find the people at our company that would actually use that product and kind of walk through a day in the life. And I, I literally, I even yesterday, I was stuck on a, something I just couldn't get my brain out of it. And we have a tool called Salesforce where our salespeople come together and they literally make calls like almost like in a Zoom room. And it's it really like brings the buzz back of a being in person on a Salesforce. And so I just was like listening to them. I was just watching them do their job. So that's that's the one thing is I, I watch the people and I talk to the people about their job. And the other thing I'm doing, we are getting ready to release our first ever market survey report. We we worked with Qualtrics to survey, uh, do a blind survey of a thousand sales you know, salespeople, whether it was sales managers all the way up to like chief sales officers. And we did a survey asking a whole bunch of different questions about sales development, whether it was customer acquisition cost or do they use phones or you know what are the challenges to having your sales development rep- representatives hit their quotas. And so what I've been working on uh, this week and and last week, and I'll be working on again for a few more weeks is writing the report, kind of like synthesizing all the data we got from that report and turning it into uh, all we got from that that survey rather and turning it into a report that people actually want to read. So yeah, it's definitely something that's very informative and it's a really powerful way to learn about, you know, 
your team's ICP, the people that are actually interested in your product. What Adam just shared there is an unlock. So if you are starting at a new company, go through that process. I promise you, we as marketers want to go, go, go. We're super ambitious, always want to ship, but the quality of work I've always found goes up the more you take some time to do some research on the people that you're trying to reach. I want to dig into a quote that you shared with me. And this is all going to, if you're in on this call or listening to this, curious about AI, we're going to get there, but I want to like, I, I want to set the stage, we're trying to set the stage for it. But you made mention to me something that I like when you said it, it resonated so much with me that like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, I need to play this back to Adam when we actually chat, but he had a quote and it said, if I'm not producing stuff, then I'm not feeling productive. And I think I feel that like so hard. And I'm sure any other marketers have felt that maybe daily, at least weekly. It's just something we feel. Maybe unpack that a little bit and talk about what you mean. Yeah. So after the first time I said that to you, I've been thinking a lot about this for the last few weeks. So here at Orem, we literally, like the day we're recording this, this week, we just launched a total rebrand. So a new website, new visuals, new logo, new messaging, clean up our platform, literally everything. And I was talking to my boss, who's our VP of marketing, and um, about the fact that like I was so busy these past few weeks helping with website copy and change, like re basically writing our voice and tone guide for our entire company. I was so busy, but I did not feel productive. And the reason being, like, despite the fact that I either helped write or wrote thousands of words of stuff on the website and ad headlines and all stuff, I wasn't like setting any blogs or videos or webinars actually live out into the world. And that's like, I've spent a decade and a half in content marketing. And it's always like, you know, what's the next thing for, you know, you always like you release the second you release a campaign out in the world. Yes. Like end users or, you know, businesses, if you're doing B2B, see it, but the whole time you're just thinking, what's the next thing I have to do? So if I'm not releasing stuff out of the world, I don't feel productive. And what I've been trying to tell myself to kind of like turn the quote around is productivity is about more than production and content marketing mm. being like, you know, you have to have your pulse on the industry and know what people are saying about you, but you also need to be laying the groundwork for what your future work is going to be. So I'm, I'm a high producer of content. I always have been, I write very fast. People listening can probably hear, I talk very fast. Like I am a go, go, go type of a person. So my brain, like I need to force it to realize that if I'm recording a video that will then need to be edited, or if I'm planning a gated landing page or fixing website copy, all of these things are being productive, even though it's not technically production. And that said, like I struggle with this every single day. Um, so any marketers that are listening to us, like if you have that imposter syndrome or that inability to slow down, I think it was Michael Jackson to date myself, like said, you are not alone. Like I see you, you are seen. But yeah, I, I have had to remind myself repeatedly. And then since our first conversation, like being productive is about more than production of content. Sometimes when I'm having these conversations, it just feels like content marketing therapy. So I, <laughs> I could, I cannot, I'm just, I need to start telling myself, I need that quote on my wall and I need to start telling myself that every day. I think it'll make me uh, a better marketer. I might need to trademark it and make t-shirts or something. Yes, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so you mentioned a decade and a half, uh, 15 years of experience on the content marketing side, which is crazy because I, I, as I think about that, like 
the proliferation of the content marketing role. Like I, it doesn't seems like maybe 15 years is where we start. So you've been kind of doing this role for uh, a long time and have probably seen a lot of different things. So maybe uh, as we kind of segue into the AI of it all, talk a little bit about maybe some of the changes that you've seen on the content marketing side over the last 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. And to date myself even more, I, I live in Cleveland, Ohio, and that's actually where the Content Marketing Institute was birthed. Uh, you and I were talking about this before. The person who created it, Joe Polizzi, I've actually interviewed him a few times. We're, we're online buddies. Like, So I know, like you said, I, I have been here since the beginning. And when when I started doing marketing in the early, 2000, two, early 2010s, like, it, content marketing was in its infancy, and so was social media. Like, I literally, the first company I worked for was a global tech company. I created their Facebook, their Pinterest, their Twitter. They're like, I literally made all of those for them. And what was happening at this time is like brands stories were starting to be told online, whether they controlled the narrative or not, you know, for so long before social media, the only way you would really discover a brand is if they put out a TV commercial or a radio ad and you would hear it through their voice and tone. And what's occurred since then slowly and then really, really quickly is that these stories are being told online and people are discovering them either through like pointed or passive ways of searching. So pointed would basically be like, you do a Google search for a specific question, you get a specific answer. So if I was to ask, like, I'm a, I'm a distance runner. So if I was asked like, where's the best place to get running shoes near me, I would get, you know, stores like Second Soul or Fleet Feet, which are some running shoes companies here, uh, stores here, those would show up. And, you know, that's why search engine optimization and thought leadership content still matters because people do still do those pointed searches. Passive discovery is happening probably even more at this point. It's what happens on TikTok now. Like if you're just scrolling aimlessly and your algorithm notes, like if you're like me and, you know, it's late spring right now and we're recording this. So I'm watching a bunch of videos about tomatoes being grown or distance running. And so it'll show me more content like that. And so as a content creator, you need to know who your, you know, ideal customer or ideal prospect is and what they're going to be searching for. And so you want to make content so that they will organically discover you. And so uh, Google used this thing they used to call the, the, the discovery period. They called it like the zero moment of truth. And it was that specific amount of research or thing you needed to do to then go make a purchase. It's not really the same anymore because that moment of discovery can come like organically. And so to answer your original question, what I've seen in content is that your content needs to be way more engaging and much, much quicker. Uh, when I first started, like we would put like eight to 10 minute interviews with our like CEO as a video on our Facebook page. Like, can you imagine stopping and looking at a 10 minute video now. I'm like, unless you're looking at, you're actively going to YouTube for something like now brands are making like six second stingers to go ahead of YouTube videos as ads, or they're doing like 15 second TikToks. And what I have found, like the niche that I like to carve out is you can still do long form content. In fact, especially if you're doing a B2B, you, you really need, like you still need your, your webinars, your market research reports, but you need to be able to write headlines or like snackable content or hero quotes or stats. They're going to draw people in. So when you're building long form content, you need to be thinking like someone's going to be scrolling through LinkedIn and they're just going to see the headline. So let me pull out six different headlines from this long report that I can turn into advertisements or you know digital ads or whatever it's going to be or posts by our CEO. 
that draws people in. So basically, this is all to say like content marketing has gone from big, flowery, long form stories to like, you have to get people's attention right now. You have that such a small window or else they're not going to look at anything else you're doing. I'm so excited that we started here to set the stage from where we were to where we're at. And now let's layer in like new technology on top of Mm -hmm. it and talk about how we use it. So I'm curious, based on this shift in what you're seeing and how you're operating, talking about the headlines and drawing people in, snackable content. In the fall of last year, right, we had the AI boom. Like you can't pull up any social channel without marketers debating its relevancy and oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. It's making my life so much easier on one side. And then the other side is like, oh my God, like our role is going away. We're going to not be content marketers anymore. Like the machines are taking over. Like there's been, it's been very polarizing. And so Mm -hmm. I've been kind of sitting on the sidelines, like just watching the conversation happen. But now I'm of the mindset, I'm like, you know, people on our platform, it's three out of the top five highest performing pieces in April were AI driven. So it's like, all right, well, we need to start, having a position and talk about it. So I'm curious on your end, AI, the last six months or so, like how has that impacted your work and your role as a content marketer at Orem? Yeah. So um, like I said, I I started almost to the day six months ago. And I, I remember when I first started at Orem, we, like, within two weeks of me being here, I was in San Francisco uh, with my boss on a customer visit. And like, that was literally when ChatGPT was like, became a, a thing and it launched and we even joked i had i pulled it up next to her the first time i ever used it and i asked it a very simple question and it, you know it spat out five paragraphs instantly and i looked at her i was like please don't fire me and we you know started laughing about it so what i what i've noticed with it and like the way that i've started using it is like i said orum is a sales platform as i mentioned before and something i have learned more and more about the sales space is sales people love learning new tips, new tips and tricks about how they can become better sellers. You know, we were joking about like developers before in the past, I have always been like, okay, what's what's the way we can get people to attend these webinars or how do we actually get people to care about this keynote speech that our VP is is talking about sell sellers. They attend stuff. They want to hear like, what's the magic bullet that will get me to increase my, you know, my quota, whatever it is. And what I have seen is that so many people, it's not just marketers, sellers are constantly going on LinkedIn to talk about how AI can automate everything. Their marketing emails, their cold calling scripts. And it's funny, like, I am slowly becoming a person who like kind of quote unquote in the content marketing world is like an AI expert of sorts, which is very funny because I actually joke a lot about how I don't like it, uh, but it's super useful. And it's super useful for a few reasons. Like I have seen people automate their scripts for connecting with prospects. Yes. And it's, it's cool to see what AI can produce for that. For me, it's been a lot more about research and ideation, uh, along with like how to approach an idea from a different angle. And we can talk about that in just a minute, but like, it's understanding that this is a tool that can help improve what you're doing. It is not there to replace the things you are doing as a marketer. So the, I love the call out there because I feel like the positioning from the opposition has been that like, this is going to replace us or what we're doing, but tend to agree with you that it is going to be something that enhances what we already do. I think the struggle for a lot of marketers is figuring out 
what is the wedge that we apply it to based on everything we're doing in marketing to figure out AI use case, how it enhances, how it makes our life more efficient. Curious just in your exploration over the last six months, kind of how would you explain maybe your crawl and walk and your run approach when it comes to your use case of generative AI? Yeah. So for me, it started with like a very basic thing to understand how it works. So I would ask like, write me a blog about sales development. And it would spit out that like five paragraph essay that a sixth grader would write. And it was just awful. And I was like, this is, why does anyone care about this? And then what I realized is the more specific and direct and pointed your prompts can be, you really can get so much powerful stuff out of there. So I started poking around and I found people that were using it in different ways. And so what I would do is I would go in and I wouldn't ask it to write me a blog about sales development. I would say something like, write me an argument in favor of having sales development representatives in your organization in 2023, provide data points and research about the value they provide to your sales funnel and your pipeline. Write this argument as if you were trying to convince a chief sales officer that they should increase their sales development headcount in the next 12 months. That sounds like a massive prompt, but what I'm doing is I'm asking it, make this argument, make this argument as if you are someone who is very high up in the sales chain, make this argument as to why it matters right now in 2023 and show me the value that they provide. And what I found is it spits out much more interesting ideas and much more interesting responses the more you request of it. And the thing that I really like about this, and I said this on a, another podcast recently, is like, you can ask it to write in different styles. So you can say, whatever your question is, you can say, you know, respond or provide me that response as if you were Bill Gates or provide me that response as if you were, you know, Malcolm Gladwell to pick a person who is very online and has a lot of their writing down and it will do that. And so what I love about it is you can take whatever it spits out. And this is just my like blanket statement. Do not take anything chat GPT says and just post it exactly like that. Clean it up, make it, there are going to be aspects of it that don't sound human, very human. You do want to confirm the research that they provide, but like, it is a great way to say, here's what I want to write as a content marketer for Orem, but I want to write it as if I am a sales leader for Orem. And so it just helps you kind of shift the narrative you're telling, not to change the full ideas that you're having, but to change the scope of how you're saying it so that you can reach a different audience that you may not be as comfortable talking to. So the research component in use case, I really, really like, and I think that'll probably resonate with a lot of people listening. Can you maybe talk through like Adam logging on for the day, going in, you've got your tasks, a lot of different projects going on. Like when and where would you pull that lever where you're pulling up chat GPT and you're leveraging it from a resource perspective? Just like let the listeners in on a little insight on like how you're applying it to that component of your work. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I, that is the main thing I do use chat GPT for is research and ideation almost exclusively. Um, So I will ask for like the biggest current concerns of a specific type of sales leader in a certain type of industry or to identify the reasons 
like customer acquisition costs may have gone up or a very specific question like that, that it'll show me the research for why. So what I will do is I use it to strengthen the stories that I already want to tell. So, you know, we do a lot of thought leadership stuff here because when I got here, the there just wasn't much content. It, it's, it's a young company. There was not much content at all. And so I, I was like, all right, I, let's just start baking in that SEO. Let's get as much stuff out there as we can. And so I like to write about things that maybe aren't going to be like very technical all the time. So we have lots of tools in our platform that we want to talk about from a technical standpoint or like set, like security and compliance. Those things have to be very technical. But from a thought leadership standpoint, I might say just like, what are top sales development tips for people who are just getting started in the, in the you know, and we'll have a, a post about people who are just starting their career and, you know, how do I cold call? How do I do the X, Y, and Z? But what I can do is I can ask ChatGPT to research, like, you know, show me from a either psychological or data backed like reason why a line might work for a sales development representative or, you know, what is the best way to open a call? And what it'll show me is it'll say like, I want to say something along the lines of when I open a cold call, if I just ask them a quick question about how's their day going, they'll respond to me. And I know that that will start to create a conversation, but I can't explain why with data or research, why that's th- why that's true. So I'll ask Ch- ChatGPT, like explain why this line would or would not work and provide data. And it will pull up reports that, would have taken me, you know, a hundred Google searches on my own to do, and it pulls it up. And then I can go look at that report and I can use what it shows me to strengthen the cases that I want to make already on my own. So it's just like a, a really great research frame for me to be able to clarify what I'm trying to say. Uh, Anyone listening can go back to this episode and you've shared a ton of different nuggets and pieces of advice on the AI front, I guess maybe in closing, like what is the one nugget that you would leave listeners uh, with that are maybe following the conversation, seeing the different use cases, but have not actually gone in and tested out you know, chat GPT or any other generative AI solution, like what sort of, a, what is one nugget that you leave uh, listeners with? I would always say AI is an assist to your job, but it's not a crutch. So in Orem, we have lots of really cool stuff with AI. We have this objection detection where when your sales reps are making cold calls, it'll automatically identify when a prospect says a few keywords like no budget or not interested. And it will automatically build in a playlist for managers to be able to use those recordings for specific training purposes. So it's an assist because it's building out these playlists of calls that people can listen to, but it's not a crutch. They can't just be like, oh, well, it's going to give me a, a great response. Like you still have to have that human element where you are communicating back and forth with people. My personal favorite AI tool is Avoma. I don't know if people use Avoma, but it's basically a, it's a recording tool for uh, meetings that you would have. And I love it because it'll give you highlights from the meeting. It's It kind of feels like magic. It'll literally like basically show you an executive summary of the discussion you have and takeaways and action items, but you still have to do those action items. You still have to do those things. And so that's the way I look at AI from a content marketing standpoint is like it it's going to, if I ask a question about, you know, why it's important for salespeople to have a virtual space to sell together, it's going to say camaraderie and connection, which are great. But then I have to go and 
talk about the human emotion and inflection and if someone speeds up their cadence or whatever like ai can give you a starting point or it can strengthen your case but it's an assist to what you're doing it's not the sole thing that you should use i feel like this was a very sobering conversation <laughs> and level-headed conversation about how we can actually use this tool that everyone's talking about in ways that can make our lives easier as content people. Adam, this was a ton of fun. I learned a lot. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. Loved learning the tidbits of how Adam is thinking about using AI to enhance his workflow. I think it's that next level use case of how does this not necessarily replace what I'm doing, but how does this enhance? And I think Adam did a really nice job of sharing his use cases. Take care of yourself, take care of others around you. We'll be back with more Modern Day Marketer next week.